Hello and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarragon and today we're going to begin Parshat Acharimot. Our Parshat begins with a presentation of what becomes known as the laws of Yom HaKippurim, but at the same time alludes back to the deaths of Nadav and Abihu. Vayidabera Adonai Moshe Acharimot Shnei Bnei Aharon Bekorvatam Lefnei Adonai Veyamutu. Vayomar Adonai Moshe Daber al Aharon Achicha Hashem spoke to Moshe after the death of Aaron's two sons when they came close before Hashem and died. And Hashem said to Moshe, Speak to Aaron, your brother, that he should not come at any time to the Kodesh that is inside the Parochet the partition or the veil, before the covering which is upon the ark, known as the kaporet, so that he will not die, for I shall appear upon the covering in a cloud. Rather, this is how Aaron shall come to the Kodesh, with a bull for a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. This opening immediately raises the question as to why we need this reference of the deaths of Nadav and Abihu. According to the Ramban, who generally espouses the methodological approach of Yesh Mugdamu Mukhar Torah that the Torah is written in chronological order, explains that here the Torah is telling us where this actually belongs chronologically. He explains that Hashem commanded Moshe and Aaron regarding this Avodat Yom HaKippurim, the Yom Kippur service, immediately after the deaths of Nadav and Aviu, even though they don't appear textually immediately thereafter. It is necessary, he explains, to first note the laws of Tumah and Tahara, of purity and impurity, whom Moshe may not enter into the Mikdash, or in his words, Moshe first wrote the commandments that Israel were commanded in order that they not die because of their impurity when they defile the sanctuary in their midst. The Psukim that we just read back in chapter 15, verse 31, first Moshe has to warn them with regard to how not to come into the Mikdash. And afterwards, he wrote the commandment regarding the individual Kohanim as to how they may enter the Mikdash. Nonetheless, we're still bothered by this exposition, for even if it is a chronological marker, the Torah would have sufficed in saying, Why does the Torah need to mention the reason they died? Clearly, the Pasuk is trying to teach us much more than chronological information. According to Rashi and the Ibn Ezra, the juxtaposition meant that Hashem was stating to Moshe that this tragedy was to become a motivational reminder while instructing Aaron about entering the Kodesh Kodeshim. Moshe must emphasize to Aaron that violating these prescriptions would potentially result in his death, just as was the case with his sons. So Moshe needs to warn him, even though you're allowed to get close to God, be wary, Aaron, of Bekarvatam Lefne Hashem, of how his sons got close and ultimately died. This approach, though, is still difficult because that would mean that Moshe is trying on one hand to encourage Aharon to get close to Hashem, and on the other hand, sharing with him an indelicate threat with regard to the presentation of these laws. So let's try to figure out from the ensuing psukim what we may learn from the juxtaposition of the words of Bekarvatam lefne Hashem v'yamutu. The Torah writes, Entrance to the inner sanctum of the Mikdash is prohibited at all times, 
for I, says Hashem, appear upon the covering in a cloud. The various parshanim differ as to the translation of this clause. Many of the classical commentators interpret it to mean that a cloud of Hashem's glory resided upon the kaporet, the covering of the aron, of the ark, in the Kodesh Kodeshim, and that Hashem's presence is manifest in it. The word then, era'e, is understood as I appear, using the future tense for the ongoing present. Aron is not to enter at just any time, because the Shekhinah is visible there. Perhaps this cloud appears in a more concentrated form than the cloud that hovers above the Mishkan that Am Yisrael are allowed to see on a daily basis. And this, in fact, is the prevalent approach amongst most of the medieval Parshanim. Rashi explains that this is a pillar of cloud, and since the revelation of the divine presence is there, Aharon should be careful not to come there frequently. Similarly, the Rashbam explains, based on Sefer Shemot Parachafei, wherein Hashem explains that he will speak to Moshe from above the kaporet, mibain lakruvim, between the kruvim, so that if the Kohen appears in that place, Hashem is there. So Hashem commands that when the Kohen enters on Yom HaKippurim, he must perform the avodat haktoret in order to darken this area so that he will not actually see the presence of the Shekhinah. The Ibn Ezra first brings some of the other explanations that corroborate that the cloud is referring to the presence of Hashem, but then he brings his personal view, consistent with the rabbinic opinion in the Gemara, understanding that the cloud of this pasuk is not the Anan of Hashem, of the Shekhinah, of the presence of God, but rather is a reference to the Anan HaKtoret, the incense cloud that Aaron was instructed to bring when entering the Kodesh Kodeshim. This interpretation explains that the second Pasuk is already telling Aharon the necessary procedure that must be performed prior to the revelation of God, before the Divine Presence becomes manifest to Aaron. In which case, this Pasuk is describing not just why he should not enter the Kodesh Kodeshim at any time, but actually how he should enter when he does. These two exegetical perspectives help us appreciate the entire sections in Tzalnau of Sefer Vayikra that have preceded our Persia. For the first 10 chapters, Sefer Vayikra discussed the Karbanot and a person's ability to offer them and thereby get close to God. Following the discussion of the Karbanot, the Torah described the seven days of inauguration in order to finally have on day eight Hashem appearing to us. The focus of the beginning of the Sefer until Hashem's revelation on day eight describes only one aspect of the religious experience, the possibility of coming close to Hashem, albeit at times with Karbanot that also express Yirah. But if you remember, at the climactic moment when fire emerged from Hashem and consumed whatever was upon the altar in front of all of Am Yisrael, something disrupted and spoiled the moment. Under no command, Aaron's sons enter the Kodesh and are immediately consumed. In an instant, everything changed. A dramatic reminder that not everyone is able to serve at all times is imprinted upon Am Yisrael. Divine revelation may not be taken for granted. With this background, the parshiot relating to the various forms of Tumah and Tahara emphasize the other aspect of religious experience, namely that despite the closeness, there really does exist an abyss separating human reality and divine reality. Man cannot ignore that part of the natural cycle is that at times he will be impure, whether it's from the time of his birth, the time of his death, with his eating, with uh, marital relations. Without the laws that allow the people to purify themselves, mortal man would never be able to approach Hashem. And this was the concluding pasuk of Parshat Mitzorah. 
tell B'nai Yisrael to separate from being impure so that they do not die in a state of impurity because that will bring to a defilement of the Mikdash. So after the previous few chapters describing when we must separate from the Mikdash, Parshat HaKarimot begins by describing an avodah, a service, in which on one hand the Torah warns Aaron not to come to the Kodesh at any time, except when he brings a cloud of ketoret, a cloud of incense. This Anan HaKetoret reminds us that the altar on which it was offered, the Mizbech HaZahav, otherwise known as the Mizbech HaKetoret, is not there in order to bring man closer to Hashem or to serve like the other kilim of the Mikdash as a means of appreciating the manifestation of God as appeared by Har Sinai. That is why the Mizbech HaKetoret, the Mizbech HaZahav, did not appear in the list of Parshat Shuma of the initial kelim, of the utensils that are going to serve in the area of the Kodesh, meant to serve as a microcosm of Mamad Harsinai. Rather, they only appeared at the very ends of the list after Hashem says, this is how you're going to bring the Shekhinah to, to your midst. This then is how you're going to approach the Ol Moed. Once the Shekhinah is there, Vasuli Mikdash V'Shachanti B'Tocham, V'No'Adzati L'Chasham, only then does the Torah tell us that Hashem commanded the Mizbeach HaKtoret, teaching us that once God is in our midst, we have to be cautious of creating some type of protective means, a buffer, a mechitza, a separation between ourselves and Hashem. It is only by means then of the Anan HaKtoret created by the burning of the Ktoret that Hashem appears above the Aron. This is in fact the approach of the Svarno at the end of Parshat Tzaveh, who explains that the Mizbeach HaZahav is not mentioned with the rest of the Kelim and Parshat Shumat to show us that there is a different intention and a different goal. The point of the Mizbeach HaZahav, he explains, was to give honor to Hashem, to show that after he came to accept the service of Am Yisrael through the sacrifices offered in the morning and the evening, then we would bring Ketoret, the incense, to welcome Hashem, so to speak, to give honor to Hashem, to now be able to approach Hashem. These are the two fundamental polar aspects of the religious experience described in Sefer Vayikra. On one hand, man thirsts for the divine presence. On the other hand, we're reminded that no man is allowed to see Hashem and live. Only after absorbing the messages of the laws of Tumah and Tahara, and having internalized the mistake of Nadav and Avihu, may we recognize these two aspects of the religious experience. And that's why the Pasuk begins with, They tried to fulfill what the first ten prakim of Sefer Vayikra were all about, getting close to Hashem. And therefore it's necessary, explains Hashem, for Aaron to know, You can't always get close to God. There's also the Ketoret. You have to know that there's a separation between man and God. And therefore the two ways of understanding what is the term of ki ba'anan for I appear in the cloud upon the covering of the ark? Either this is a reference to Hashem's manifestation that's there waiting for us to get close to Hashem, as Rashi and the Rashba maintained, or as the Ibn Ezra explains, this is the means through which we also approach Hashem, an anan haktoret, that we have to bring as a separation between ourselves and Hashem, as a buffer of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And these are, in fact, then, the two aspects that must be reconciled. Aharon may come to the Kodesh, but only through recognizing, through the cloud of incense, this dichotomy, can the Torah then tell us that Hashem will, in fact, appear. Hashem is waiting for us above the Kaporet, but the Kohen has to recognize, Hashem, 
that as he approaches God and gets close to God, that there are also dangers inherent in a lack of recognition of a separation between himself and the Shekhinah. We now continue with verse 4. Not only does he take a par ben bakar lachatat and an ayala ola, a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, the Torah now tells us that he has to be dressed in a certain way. Ketonet bad kodesh yilbash, umechnesei vad yiyu al besoro, uvavnet bad yachkor, uvemetznefe bad yitznuf, bigdei kodeshim, v'rachotz bamayim et besoro, ulevesham. He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and he shall be girded with the linen belt, and with the linen scarf shall he be attired. These are all the holy garments, and he shall bathe his flesh in water and put them on. You'll note that these are not the standard big day Kohen Gadol. Generally, the Kohen dons eight different garments, including the Mechnasayim that he'll wear here, the boxer shorts underneath his tunic, followed by a Me'il Trelet, a beautiful turquoise robe upon which he places the gold investments of the ephod and the choshen. And generally, in addition to a mitznefet that he wears on his head, he usually has a golden sitz, a golden headband with the words Kodesh Lahashem imprinted upon them. So why isn't he wearing his regular garments today? We're going to see that every time he performs an avodah, a service that is specific to Yom HaKippurim, to entering the Mikdash, he will only be wearing what becomes known as these begadim levanim, the white garments, which are more or less consistent with the garments of a Kohen Hediot, the vestments worn by a regular Kohen and not a Kohen Gadol. Interestingly, every time the Kohen Gadol performs a daily activity, he will continue to wear his golden vestments. Note then that as Aaron has to enter the Mikdash with the Ketoret, he is clearly reminded of the deaths of Nadav and Aviyu. He has to take a machvat, a griddle, just like they did, place coals upon it, just like they did, place the incense spice upon it, just like they did, enter the area of the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim, just like they did. I can only imagine the deja vu as Aaron is even going to be wearing the garments that his own sons wore at the time of their death. Note then that Aaron must revisit the deaths of Nadav and Aviyu, every time he enters the Kodesh, he must be the one to appreciate Aaron will do exactly what Nadav and Aviyu did. He will get close to God, appreciate the intensity of a relationship with Hashem, but simultaneously know that there is a distance between him and God, and he can only enter based on the mandates of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Interestingly, however, the begadim, the clothing that Aaron has to wear here, is repetitively described as ketonet bad, mechnesei bad, avnet bad, mitznefet bad. These are all linen garments very similar to the mechnesayim that are made from the linen, noting that the Kohen does not earn an elevated stature by wearing these garments. To the contrary, he detaches himself entirely from his golden priestly vestments and wears clothing of a lower stature than that of his regular priestly garments. Basically, we find that the Kohen Gadol officiates on Yom Kippur as a Kohen Hidyot, a regular Kohen, only wearing these four priestly garments. At first glance, it seems to be a lowering of his stature on Yom Kippur, albeit revisiting his son's death, but still surprising. It seems as if he's being demoted on the holiest day of the year. In our next year, we're going to explore how through the continuation of the Psukim, we're going to see how, in fact, the Kohen Gadol is starting everything from scratch. 
he begins the day as a Kohen Hediot, slowly but surely revisiting his position, being promoted once more to a Kohen Gadol.